Hey everyone, and welcome back to Where's the Bride, the LGBTQ plus wedding planning podcast. Today we are recording episode six, which has flown by, um, and we're going to be talking about how to choose your wedding party and also navigate some of those really common guest list dilemmas. 100%. It's thing we didn't think would be as difficult as it actually was. Um, but before we get into it, Alex, what are we drinking today? Well, we're actually recording this in my grandparents' caravan in Keswick. Um, they've had this caravan for like 20 years and I've always come up as a kid. So we use it for like little breaks away and we've come for like a little walking holiday with the dog. Um, but in true fashion, we're drinking Lakeland gin, which is nice, like just solid gin tea. So... I think picking your wedding party or groom's party, bridal party, whatever you want to call them, is probably one of the most important decisions you'll make about the planning of your wedding. They're going to be the people that are with you every step of the way, whether you choose to have a maid of honour, bridesmaids, bridesmen, bridesmates, groomsmen, uh, best men, best women. There's so many titles and I think for us and other LGBTQ plus couples that we know, that's one of the elements where you really can make it your own. I think the traditional groom and groomsmen, brides and bridesmaids, obviously gets picked apart when you're planning a wedding that isn't a traditional heterosexual wedding. But I'd definitely say it's a really, really important part of your day that you need to consider before you start steaming in and asking your friends and family and loved ones to actually be a really integral part of your special day. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think it's going back to the traditions. If Alex and myself decided to go with the traditions of just groomsmen, there'd be an awful lot of blokes there. And there wouldn't be many women um, on the actual party itself. So it's about kind of tearing up those traditions that we've said throughout the series. And it's about kind of thinking, what do we want from it? Do we want to keep some of the traditions? Do you want a best person? Do you want two best people? Do you want bridesmaids, if you want to call it that? Do you want groomsmaids? Do you want mates maids? Do you want, <laughs> what, what do you want? And it's, it's, that was the first hurdle that we hit where we were thinking, well, I want this person, this person, this person. And we eventually just sat down and we're like, do you know what, sod it. Let's just write a list of names. And or, then figure it out. Or compare yeah. the list of names and then allocate <laughs> a role. Um, you know, the, the one thing that I think a lot of people don't think of when they're asked to be a, a party pal um, to a wedding is there's going to be work involved and I think that sometimes people think it is just oh I get a free outfit and I get free food and I can turn up and I can look pretty I can look handsome I can walk down the aisle and that's my job done nah I'm sorry when we've been looking at what we need to do we've started thinking actually that's their job that's their job that's their job because it's it's a busy day and that I keep saying it and you keep laughing at me and I'm like, people need to pull the weight. Mm, yeah. I think, like we said, when we were thinking about it, obviously there was no traditional route for us to go down. So what we did was we both sat down, wrote a list of people we'd want to be involved and then we kind of had to think why we wanted them involved and the role that they would have on the day. So for me, I have a brother and two sisters. Um, I knew I wanted like my family involved um, but I also have two, like, childhood best friends. We're, like, a group of three. Katie and Alistair, shout out. Um, but basically, it's it's really difficult to start to pick who does what. And especially because 
the roles aren't as clear when you're a gay couple like we are like like Oliver said if you are the groom traditionally you would just have groomsmen which are predominantly men traditionally or if you were a bride you'd have female bridesmaids or flower girls or whatever it might be and I think really quickly we knew we were going to have a mix of men and women in our wedding party and that's when it kind of became a little bit more confusing of like who did what so just from my side I've got three groomsmaids, that's what we'll call them. Um, so I've got my best friend, Jenna, who I've known for like 10 years or so, super organised, super just on it with stuff. And obviously I really wanted Jenna to be a part of my special day anyway, but I know that she'll be really on hand with a lot of like the organisation of it. And I think once you get into wedding planning, I think you really then start to like either be happy or maybe not so happy with the wedding party that you might have picked based on how much stuff there is to do. Um, and then I've got my two sisters as my groomsmaids. I've got my little niece who's going to be a flower girl. And then my two childhood best friends, Katie and Alistair, are going to be like joint best man and best woman. And I think for me, that was the one thing that I said really early on was that I know that traditionally you would just have a best man and that's their job to do your like bachelor, bachelorette, stag hen party, whatever you want to call it, um, do a speech, be involved in a lot of the organisation. And for me, um, I couldn't pick between the two. Like I said, we're a group of three friends. And so therefore, really quickly, I thought, oh, actually, my wedding party is quite big. But I think everyone has their own sort of distinct role. And I think moving forward, I feel quite happy and secure knowing that this person's going to have this role. And I know that Katie and Alistair, for example, are almost going to act as, like, my ushers and they're going to be, like, organising the guests when they arrive and Jenna's going to help in terms of, like, the decoration and then, like, my sisters are going to make sure my niece is okay and all that kind of thing. And I think, naturally, it feels quite right. I don't know how you found it trying to pick. Yeah, I think it was a bit easier for me because I kind of had an idea of who I wanted anyway and I didn't have two best people <laughs> which yeah. I think that kind of stirred the pot a little bit and confused us both because we were like oh my god what, what do we do and it was eventually we were like do you know what sod it let's just go for it uh, it's our day we can have three best people if we want we can have four we can have five and um, you know I think the one thing that we came up against was how do you deal with flaky friends Mm-hmm. There's people that you may have made promises to in the past where you'll have been, I don't know, you might have had a drink, you might have been at their wedding, you might have been at a family wedding where they may have come with you as you plus one as a mate, and you may have gone, I want you to be my best person at my wedding. I, you know, how, how would you deal with that, Alex? Yeah, I think it's really, really difficult because a really good example, and he will not care that I'm talking about it at all, is when me and my brother were kids, we said, we made like a little pact when we were like eight and nine, that we'd be each other's best men on each other's wedding days, and we sort of half-joked about it all the way, like, through growing up as teenagers and stuff, and then when it came round to it, it just doesn't, like, I'm really close to my brother, my brother will be a massive part of my wedding day, but... It just didn't make as much sense now it's actually happened, just in terms of the dynamic and everything. And I remember talking to my brother about it, and he was like, do you know what, Alex, I'm really glad that I'm not, because it is that extra level of responsibility. It is that kind of being involved in the planning in a way that, you know, it can take away from the wedding day. Like my brother will be able to just sit and enjoy 
my wedding day for what it is and be really happy and just have a laugh with us. Whereas my sisters are going to have more of an organise type role on the day, as well as like my friends that are involved. So I think... I think just be really open and honest. I think there's always an element of people that think, oh, why wasn't it me or, you know. And I think if you've if you've got really good friendships and good relationships with people that could be a part of your day or think they might be a part of your day, just be as open and honest. And I think a really good way to to navigate it, not even just as an excuse, but what, what I think we found is so true, is the budget side of it. Like, in an ideal world, I've got loads of amazing, really close friends like, I've got a huge group of friends from uni, and I would have absolutely loved all my really close friends to be a part of my wedding party, but if I had it my way, I'd have ended up with 20 groomsmaids, and you'd have, like, it just wouldn't have worked, and you've got to think, you know, are we going to be buying dresses for all these at, like, 100 quid a pop? Are we going to be um, providing all these different things for them? Like, how is that going to work with photos? Like, is it just becoming too much and too much and too much just to people please a little bit so I think just having a really open and honest conversation with friends that maybe you haven't paid for your wedding party or family or things like that and just explain the rationale as to why um, I think it's really important it was important to me to have like different elements of my life in mind so I have like my childhood friends like my best friend like more recently I guess like my family and I think it's important to do what feels right for you and that was one of the things I wanted to do but also I'd just be open and honest with friends or family that might have had you know an inkling that it might have been them and explain the reasons and the rationale as to why it might not be. Yeah and it, it's similar with myself I know I've got friends who I lived in London for five years in my 20s and I really wanted to get a lot of those friends heavily involved. One of them I have in gr- invited as my groomsman because loved pieces and I know for a fact that from afar he'll still put the effort in. But I do have other friends who I really want to get involved in the day. But the last thing I want, and this sounds really weird, is I don't want sour milk with them. I don't want to start thinking, oh, here we go again. They're, they're not doing this or that means something else for me to do. And it's, it is, you know, we're a year to the wedding now and it's starting to get a little bit stressful where budgets start to come to life and you start to think of things that you've forgotten and you're like how am I going to pay for this how am I going to pay for that you need people to start to really take the reins on things and for example my best man that picked one Andy um, he's a friend from Leeds I've known him for six years now but he's min and he just knows exactly what I want he knows what the day will be like. He's such a good friend. He's more like a brother to me now. And that's that's great. As much as I'd have loved to pick some more of my friends from London, um, I know they've got their own lives. And I think that, you know, if they can come to my stag do, fantastic. If they can't, fair, they'll be there on the wedding day. And they can ha- we can have an absolute party, an absolute ball with them then. And it'll be a lot easier from, from that respect. So I think there's a couple of times we've both had conversations about family who think that they should have been a bit more involved um but like Alex said it it is about being a bit more direct and just being like look you don't want the responsibility Mm. well you can be part of the day but don't worry about that because it's it's more stress than the need yeah and I also think that there's more ways now to incorporate people into your day so I think and we'll touch on this when we chat to some celebrants in like a future episode but I know we've mentioned time and time before that we originally were going to go with a sort of registrar-led ceremony and then we decided actually no like if we have a celebrant-led ceremony it can be a lot more personal 
it can be more moulded around us. So we're going to have both of our grandmas do a reading, for example. I've chosen a friend of mine who's not part of my party, but I'd really like her to, to do a reading. Um, and there's other ways you can incorporate like friends and family into the day if it's something that you want to do. Because just from a practical perspective, having 10, 15 groomsmen, you know, bridesmaids, whatever it is on both sides, I think the more we thought about it and the more like Oliver said time's gone on I think the budget of your wedding party is something to really really consider and I think I know we've touched on budget before but I really wanted to save this kind of this line of to of conversation for this episode because I think the hidden cost of your wedding party is actually something that we didn't think and also it's something that you need to have a really open and honest conversation with with your wedding party for example like for 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 my side anyway my wedding party consists of like i said two of my sisters two of my female friends and then one of my male friends um i didn't even think about getting a hairdresser or a makeup artist just because i don't it's not something I'd want or need really on the morning of my wedding, but my party, my sisters and everything are, think, are thinking, oh God, well, I want my hair doing. Normally, if they were, you know, being a bridesmaid for a bride or, or you know, someone that did want to wear makeup on their wedding day or something like that, they'd have a makeup artist, they'd have a hairdresser. And that's kind of, I guess, expected. But I've said at the end of the day, cost-wise, it's something that we're able to not have to pay for. Um, so like my groomsmaids have agreed that they're just going to club together and do it themselves uh, but we've said you know we'll help with the cost of like the dress for example but I think that needs to be a, a conversation as well because there's so much discourse especially around obviously the cost of weddings we all know they're expensive but the cost of being a wedding guest and being part of that wedding and I think if you are part of the wedding party the cost that is involved to them is probably more I'd say I don't know what you think definitely I think because the people in the wedding party, they are probably expected to go to the stag do, hen do, slag do, I think is what we call the girls. And it's it's the whole case of, I think I'm going to have a family do in, in Leeds, and then I think I'm probably going to have a friend's do away somewhere, which is two do's. There are going to be specific people who are on both of those do's like alex said we've agreed that we're going to help towards the costs of the dress we're probably going to get them the dresses but that's it the the guys we've told them to sort themselves out because it just isn't in our budget and i think that as much as we'd love to buy everyone a free piece suit we're looking at the cost of our own suits and it's stressing us out mm -hmm. enough so it's you know it's i think people need to realize if they are part of that party that there is a bit of financial burden on them as well and you know not everyone can afford it and we don't expect everyone to be able to afford it but on the flip side there are some people who want to get involved in your party because they do think they're going in for a free day which as bad as it sounds they're really not it's it's a busy day it's it's a lot for people to work towards um you know and i think that's kind of where we've we've come to with it We're, we we did did make sure we sent out individual invites for the people and then anyone that we could hand it to personally we did, and we're really happy with it. We made a little cheesy poem, and it was it was really cute. Yeah, I um, that's a huge thing now. I think, isn't it? Like wedding party proposals or whatever. Like yeah. asking someone to be your best man, best woman, groomsmaid, bridesmaid, whatever. Flower girl. Flower girl. Yeah. Um, and there was loads of ways we thought about doing that, but I think ultimately 
it was another cost. Like I'd seen some really cute ideas where um, people had put together little hampers of like champagne and, you know, a really nice personalised card, maybe like some jewellery um, and to sort of say, you know, would you be my best man? Would you be my best woman? And I love that idea. But then if we were both going to do that, that's, I don't know, say one of them cost 30 quid to do and like on the cheap, times that by 10. Like and then all of a sudden you're spending hundreds of pounds before you've even started. So we just kept it quite simple, really. But I think that was one of my, the nicest bits, actually, of like early wedding planning, because it's one of the first things that you do. I think after we'd sorted the venue, it was the first thing we did, and it was the first thing we kind of got printed along with like our save the dates. Um, and it was just a really, really nice moment. But yeah, like what Oliver said, I think understanding, I think on an emotional level, who you want as part of your day, like absolutely no question. Like for me there was people I knew that I wanted involved in some form or another. And then it is kind of that being a little bit more practical and thinking, okay, who's actually going to be really helpful at certain aspects of wedding planning? Who's going to plan me a really, really good bachelor, bachelorette party, whatever? Who's going to be able to deliver a speech that, you know, would be really heartfelt that you know that the sort of wedding guests would love? Like, all those different considerations. Um, like, my sister, we joke about this all the time. Obviously, my sister was going to be a part of my day. We're super, super close. Um, is she the most organised per- person in the world? No. No, she's really <laughs> not, if by any means. So when we were, like, I was going through, like, both my sisters, my friends, and saying, oh, you're going to do this, you're going to do this. My sister Emma was just like, oh, so what am I doing? I was like, you can just sort of be there, like, look nice, like, because I don't really know what role specifically Emma will have yet, she probably will by this time next year, but it is that kind of balance, whereas, like I said, I've got friends that I know are going to deliver something amazing in terms of, like, helping me organise, or, you know, I'm sure I'll have a sick stag do, or whatever, Um, but it's just navigating that, and I think, have a laugh with it as well, I think the most common things that, when we've spoke to people that have got married or listened to other wedding podcasts or, you know, spoke to some of you guys that have reached out to us on Instagram or whatever, is that the drama that comes with the weddings, especially early on, is with wedding parties. It's, you know, bridesmaids that don't agree with the dresses that you've picked out for them or something like that. And often that's a major cause of drama. And you want to remember that your friends and family first, and it is just a day. And you don't want to, like, sour that relationship based on... The cost of a dress or something. Yeah, and going back to that, the we there was, I mean, I wouldn't say we've had much drama. I know that the the one thing that people need to remember is people come in all shapes and sizes, and it's something that we we still haven't decided on any form of dresses yet. But um, you know, one of your party um, turned around and said that they don't want to wear a dress; they want to wear a suit, which I think sick. I think it's a really good idea. If that makes them really happy, they'll look amazing. And we just we went for it, and it's all about tearing up the traditions again, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And um, you know, it's, it's sometimes worth asking them the questions of, do you feel comfortable in this? Whereas one of mine is a, she's quite well, four years old now. She's a mum. Don't really want to wear something that's overly revealing. And it, it's you know what we've recently done is just got everyone onto a a WhatsApp group, and the you know the discussing between themselves, which does the work for us, to be fair. Yeah, because I think. Obviously, you can have a really clear vision of what your wedding party are going to do, what they're going to wear, what they're going to look like, what their role's going to be. Um, but I think that's where a lot of the drama... I hate using that word. It sounds so dramatic. Well, um, But the, the drama stems from is because ultimately, like, 
they're all eyes are also going to be on your wedding party on the day and they want to feel comfortable and they want to have a good time and if you're forcing them to do something or wear something or you know look a certain way then that can make them feel uncomfortable so i think if you if you want them as part of your wedding party and you want to you know, have a day that's really relaxed and, and just good vibes and make sure everyone feels really comfortable. Try and be a little bit more flexible in whatever vision you had in your head. Like if we, I mean, I don't, we've not even picked a colour yet, but if we'd said we want all our groomsmaids to be in green dresses and all of them said, oh, well, we all think these look awful. I, I kind of value their opinion. They're our close friends and family. So I think if, if you can be a bit more flexible with the idea of what you have for your wedding party, then it'll probably be a little bit more smooth sailing, I'd say. Yeah. And then, you know, following the wedding party, there's, at this early stage in planning, you should really start thinking about your guest list. Because mm-hmm. um, that's where these extra people come come into it. The people who necessarily, you wanted to be involved in the party, but you couldn't get involved. And it's, and it's where to begin with that was a massive thing for us. And I think yeah. the way that we started it was we both sat down with a separate notepad in different rooms and we wrote down a list of our non-negotiables. And I know we keep saying it, but it was so important for us to write down a list of every single person who we wanted there for the day and the night. Mm-hmm. And we came back and we were absolutely gobsmacked with how many people... <laughs> I didn't think we had that many like people that we knew. Like, absolutely gobsmacked because we were there putting such and such plus boyfriend, such and such plus girlfriend, yeah. kids, 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 cousins, kids, this <clears throat> kids, that kids, people's dogs, people's cats, people's mouths. <laughs> it was... It was no it was hundreds, hundreds and hundreds yeah. of people. And I think I would 100% say so far that the guest list is still the most ongoing source of wedding planning stress for me so far. I think, I know we mentioned this in in like a previous planning episode. I think if you do your guest list and are really firm on your guest list before you look at your venue, that can probably make things easier in a way because you know that you 100% want to find a venue that can host 200 people potentially for your ceremony and maybe even more in the evening however with us we had a really clear vision of the kind of venue that we wanted we found the venue that we loved and so therefore went for it and we knew that we had I think in the day we can have about 100 and this is what it really I don't even know. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. About one hundred and two or something, and then in the evening we can have about one hundred and eighty. That's when for us, because we had those numbers to adhere to, it's been so stressful. And I think it's because our non-negotiables are close family and close friends. The only problem is, is that I've got a massive family. You have a massive family. And we have a lot of close friends. From all over the country. Yeah. We want to get involved. And I think we the place we started was, was we kind of started to think to ourselves, right, who are the non-negotiable, non-negotiables? <laughs> and we, we started from the list down. And it, it got to a point where we were, we were looking at it a lot better. And I was, I was writing like N for night, D for day mm-hmm. next to people. And we were both going down it. And then we were comparing lists. I think... The way that we did it worked really well for us because we were we were thinking for ourselves, and then eventually we turned around and said, "Right, fifty people day each." Yeah, we had yeah we had to, and we we kind of went that way. But then there was some you know when you're obviously an LGBTQ plus couple, you know you want to invite all your family. Do all your family necessarily agree with LGBTQ plus weddings? Probably not with a lot of people, which is really sad. Mm-hmm. Some people extremely lucky. 
Um, you know, there's a couple of people on both sides of ours that I've thought, nah, fuck it, you're not coming. Yeah, but this, <laughs> but then f- f- my opinion with that is sometimes there's you you do have two options with this where you can fuck them, or you can say right. I know your views are very skewed, maybe because of specific things, maybe because you've not been around LGBTQ people. Do you want to show them how happy you are? Yeah. No, most of them, we just said, fuck them. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Um, so that made it a lot easier through that way because if they're not going to enjoy the day, they can get lost. It's our day yeah. um, from there. Then we got to the point where we were like, right, kids. And I know this is a really tough topic for yeah. a lot of people. It's massively controversial as well. Where we basically said, we've got two flower girls. You've got a little nephew who probably wouldn't have any childcare if you couldn't come. So then we said, that's it done mm-hmm. we're gonna have those kids and we have had people ask if if they can bring the kids and stuff and it has been a really tough case of saying no yeah. we, we feel awful though it's not yeah. uh i think like i said is that we are and a lot of other couples that will be in a very similar situation once you've selected your venue especially for the day we can have a hundred people roughly maximum and that sounds like such a huge amount of people but it's really not and i think when you've got kids that are coming if, if you know you're inviting a friend of yours and their partner and they've got four kids um that's four spaces that potentially you know could be immediate family or you know close friends that have known you as a couple like your entire life and it is really tricky and it's one of the things that we undenied about but we we quickly realized i think with the sort of numbers that we were allowed at the venue if people could bring their kids we would have to not invite some really close family and really close friends to to the day in general. And I think we just sort of had to say no, because because there's people that... I mean, our guest list is still too big. That's the thing that scares me. Our guest list is still too big. So the thing is, is that there's... I think we're 12 people over. Yeah. But what we're hoping, and what we've heard on a couple of different podcasts, which we really appreciate, is people do back out and Mm -hmm. people do get closer to the day and things come up life changes things happen so i think we'd rather be slightly over because people might back out but then we do have options and i know this sounds really bad and i would never tell who they are to bump up to the day do so there's people we've sent out a save the date to um who you know most of them 99 of them will be getting an evening do invite but there's people who haven't received a save the date yet who we probably will be thinking you know let's let's bump them up when we can and we don't want them to feel like second class people it's just the fact that we don't have we don't have this no it's all i I think this i think this is one of the things as well and which is why i wanted to really dedicate some time in an episode for this is because i think this is the most difficult part of wedding planning and i think it's one of those subjects that i don't know what you think of it or what like any of you listeners think but people really skirt around and are really nicey nicey and and think oh you know and i think it's awful because Everyone that we are inviting to our wedding day, we want there. But because of you're bound by numbers, and also I think the cost, I think the one thing is that for us, we're having catering in the day and then separate catering in the evening. But we're also providing beer and wine. Yeah, we're also providing alcohol. So basically it gets to the point where every single person that comes to our day ceremony ends up with a fixed cost on their head. I I, I I don't even know, but say it's like £60. Six every day guest you invite is a £60 cost to us. So you then start to think a little bit more pragmatically of like one person equals this amount of money and therefore you have to start to be a little bit smarter and really think about who 
you want there. And I think this is, again, controversial. One of the things that we quickly realised is we've both got massive, massive families, you know, family that I love and adore, um, but I've got family that lives around the world, you've got family that live all over the world, and... There's friends of, of ours that have known us our entire relationship. They've known us since we were kids. They're a huge part of our lives. And, you know, you think, oh, you want all your immediate family there. If we had all of our immediate family, aunties, uncles, cousins, second cousins, everybody, um, that'd, be it. that'd be it. That'd be it. And, and I just said there's there's so many of my friends and friends' partners and, and everything that I want to make sure are a really integral part of our day. And that does mean that, you know, an uncle you might not have spoken to for five years actually just gets an evening invite. And I think that sounds awful, but it's a position that I would say 90% of couples planning their wedding have had to do. And I think if you're planning a a wedding that, you know, is, is small anyway, if you're doing a destination wedding or, you know, because of COVID people are still sticking with, you know, weddings of, of guest lists up to 20 people, then you can kind of have more of a, a reason as to why you're not inviting your aunties, uncles, cousins, second cousin's kid or whatever. But I think if you are having a larger wedding, it becomes more of a difficult conversation, especially with people that make assumptions and assume that they're invited to such a thing. And I think just trying to be as conscious and as mindful as you can before, you know, the actual invites go out is really, really important. But yeah, uh, I'd love to give loads and loads of wisdom on this topic, to be honest, but I think oh, it's... absolutely useless. <laughs> yeah, it's so difficult. It's so difficult. I think I think the biggest thing as well to consider is, is like I mentioned, is that every guest has a cost. And the thing is with that is that, okay, say if you've agreed, right, we're going to have these 100 people in the day. Amazing. And we actually did this. We then, we've got this down. We've got this list of 100 people. It's going to cost us thousands, but, you know, amazing. And then you think, oh... What about their partner? What about their boyfriend, their girlfriend, their husband, their wife, their spouse? It's the plus ones and it's the floating plus ones. And what I mean when I say floating plus ones is we've all got friends and family who are in a relationship. And let's face it, is that still going to be a thing when it comes to the wedding? Are are we putting someone in a space just to make a family member or a friend happy when we could put another family member or friend in into that place and we have said to some people yep you can bring a plus one we want we want you to be really happy with you there because at the end of the day we think that and this sounds a bit weird that there's they they need someone to be able to kind of bounce off on the day to keep them happy because we have some friends who are pretty much standalone mm-hmm. who are very independent to one of us and it'd be a bit weird than being there by themselves so you bring a bring a plus one whereas we've got specific people where we've said you plus one can come to the evening do and I felt horrible saying it to a few people because I think they were expected to spend the whole day with them. And some of them probably won't come if it's if it's just the evening do. But like Alex said, it all comes down to cost. And like what I said, am I giving out a, an invite for someone who... You might not even have met. You might not even have met, 100%, or might not even be there <laughs> when it gets to the wedding. Yeah. Um, that, that's, that was the, the tricky one um, for us. I think you know we've had to kind of neg- negotiate around quite a bit of that there um yeah i think with plus ones i think and everyone sort of you know there's a there's a what's that common thing at a wedding where no ring no invite if you're not married or whatever to your significant other they don't get a plus one which i think in this day and age is a bit silly like not everyone wants to get married i've got 
you know, one of my aunties and my uncle have been together about 30 years. They're not married because they don't want to get married. But he's my uncle. He's been in my life my entire life. Of course he's coming. Like, that's obviously non-negotiable. But I do think there's a there's a case to say, you know, it might be a really close friend of yours. They might be, you know, with a very serious partner. But have you met them? You know, is it someone that you're meeting for the first time on your own wedding day? Uh, is it somebody that you get along with? Is it someone that could kind of live without their partner there for the day i've got groups of friends that are a group of friends that you know have partners now but just from the fact that we're really restricted with numbers they're not going to get a plus ones because they know loads of people at my wedding they've got loads of good friends at my wedding i don't think that having not having their partner there is going to have an impact on their day but like oliver said if there is friends or family that you know you know would benefit or, or feel a lot more comfortable by having their partner or whoever they bring as a plus one there then it can really help with the dynamics of the day as well because you want to make sure everyone's having a good time but I do think plus ones is super super tricky to navigate and what I would say is often I think the advice is you know give it a rule if they're if they're not married they're not coming or if they've not been together for x amount of time I'd just be quite wary of that I think we've tried to not set like a blanket rule on our day but try to do it on like a case by case of when we're you know, thinking about who's coming, do we know the partner? Often, you know, we've got a lot of friends who are couples, so it's kind of easier because they'd be coming in their own right regardless. But um, think about the dynamics of the day. Think about that guest. You know, does that guest know a lot of other people at your wedding? How long have they been with their partner? Do you know their partner? Do you get on with their partner? Um, and, and think about those things because ultimately, if you say to everyone, all your friends and family, they can have a plus one, you've halved your actual wedding guest list really because you're inviting people that you might not have initially thought of yeah and another thing is as well and it's something that we've spoke about quite a lot as as a couple is workmates and you tell everyone at work that you're engaged everyone's really really happy for you 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 know everyone's like oh congratulations some people get cards some people don't <laughs> some people get bottles of champagne and stuff but then obviously people you, you you know you have lunchroom gossip you talk by the water fountain about kind of what's going on how's your planning going and then I've I've had it before people have sl- slightly assumed oh I'm look, so looking forward to your wedding and it's and it's oh crap yeah. do, do we invite work people like we've kind of put a blanket no. Um, on the day purely for the reasons Alex said before um, but in the evening do come if you want is, is is my opinion with it we don't really have a limit on the evening do but you know there's people I know who've got married in the last year who through the, the day do there were three or four work people there which great if you can afford it and if you have the space but I'm about to change jobs you're about to change jobs are those people that we're going to be speaking to in the next six months because they're your friends at work, but will they eventually just turn into colleagues as people I really want to stay mm. close to? Yeah. And why would you waste your invites um, on that? And it, it's a real tough one because yeah. you could have worked somewhere for years and those people could expect to come. And I think it is just about, no. Yeah, I think you really need to consider your like your relationship with these people on like a deeper level when it comes to your guest list like a really good example is i know quite a few couples that say got engaged five six years ago we're due to get married in 2020 and obviously because of covid 
um, have only just got married this year. It's been a two-year delayed period. And I know one friend of mine who got married recently, she said that not even just her guest list, but the wedding party she picked, she picked people to be her bridesmaids that at the time, you know, in 2019, 2020, she worked with, she was super close with, she um, spoke to them every day because they worked together. They've both changed jobs since. And, you know, as it got closer to the wedding, she thought, I'm not actually that close to this person anymore. Like she, she was sort of a, you know, a great friend in a certain period of my life. And it's not like they've fallen out or anything, but actually it was kind of, you know, is it really, does it warrant them being a bridesmaid in, you know, my wedding day, which is something that's kind of going to be immortalised forever. Um, and that delay of, of what happened with COVID meant that she kind of reevaluated a lot of those factors and a lot of the guests on her wedding day. And there was people that when she did her original guest list two years ago, she didn't even know, but she'd gotten super, super close with over the past couple of years. And, and now, were, of course, they were going to come to her wedding. And I think so much can impact it especially dependent on how long you are engaged for and how long the wedding planning process is if you're um you know writing your guest list and sending out save the dates for to people but your wedding's not for two or three years um just be mindful of, of the people that you are inviting and and think about your relationship and, and what could happen in in that time frame um obviously that sounds super cynical <laughs> that you're gonna fall out with people i don't mean it like that but i think because it's important and I think often if you have a venue that can hold a lot more people I think you're a lot less strict with it or you're, you do have more of a mentality of yeah cool whatever like you can come you can come you can come but consider your budget consider your relationship with them people and just think do you want them there and is it really important for um for them to share your special day yeah and I have a question for you, actually, because I feel like we're giving people a lot of our information here. What would you change about what we've done with A, the wedding parties, and B, the guests? How, what would you change in the way we've done things? Um, I think the wedding party... I don't really think I'd change. I do think I would have maybe been a bit more mindful for people that I didn't choose. I think I've got a lot of really, really close friends and family that easily could have been in my wedding party if budget and practicality allowed for it. But I, I also didn't want to have 25 groomsmates because I just thought that was excessive. So I think I'd just be a little bit more explanatory in why I chose the people that I chose and and kind of do that to the people that are are involved in the wedding day obviously but not as part of my wedding party and i think for our guest list i think i think we've done this quite well now but i think i would have not asked so many people's opinions in the first place 100%. I th- yeah i think yeah, yeah. i think what is a real challenge is that you start to think about your guest list and before you know it you've like the plus one thing is a really good example you've got well can my partner come can my husband come or you know your parents start to get involved oh well what about old auntie so-and-so or you know my friends or uh, what about your cousin so-and-so and their kids and and you think it's really easy for, you know, just to be like, oh, yeah, okay, okay. Because there's always a reason why they should be there. So they're family or, you know, they've known you since you were born or, you know, they were around when you were growing up. But actually, we got to the point quite quickly where, well, like I said, I guess this is way over. And there's people there that aren't on that list for necessarily because I want them there. It's because, like, my mum might want them there. And actually, we I had to be quite strict and say no because there's friends of mine that, 
for example, I wanted a daydo rather than an old friend of my parents or something like that. And again, I think it sounds so savage to have those conversations, but it doesn't discredit your relationship with any of those people. It's just an unfortunate practicality. And that is something that we kind of put upon ourselves because of the venue that we chose. But most venues have a capacity. So most couples will kind of face this. And I think just being really confident in the people that you want there before you start to like open the conversation up to friends and family for yeah. for their opinion no i agree and i think we, we have been slightly flexible like there are some people there and we've said this before who are there to make the day better for other people and i'm happy that they're there they've been there our whole lives we, we, we love them to pieces um you know but we've been able to put them in there but we have had to be flexible and there have had to be some no's there have had to be some oh god yeah forgot about you <laughs> in there as well and yeah um no i completely agree a question for you then in terms of picking your wedding party, what are the things that you thought about the most when choosing the people that you did? And what advice would you give to someone that's picking their wedding party? So, so, so my friends are probably going to get quite mad at me on this. <laughs> is, I'm, I do have a couple of flaky friends. People I love dearly. People who've been there for me in parts of my life. First thing I thought was, who am I going to ask? And then just ain't going to do it. And it doesn't make them a shit friend. It just, to me, they've got other stuff going on. You know, we we were best mates when I lived in London. We were best mates when I lived in Harrogate when I was, like, 19, 20. And, you know, I had to sit down and think to myself, right, who is actually going to say yes and be a yes and get involved? That was my main thing. My advice is there's two of my friends off the top of my head I can think of now who I would have loved to have got involved in the wedding party. My advice is think to yourself, is it going to dampen the friendship between you a little bit by giving them this responsibility? doesn't make them a bad friend if they can't get involved. People have lives. People have stuff going on. People have their own issues to deal with. People have their own relationships. Is it going to be best just to put them on the day? Is that, is, is, think to yourself, is it going to be best? Do I want to kind of potentially stretch this friendship further mm -hmm. than it needs to be because I might not have seen them for five years. I might hold them onto this pedestal that they're not. Think, think of it that way. And, you know, I've got friends who got married recently and one of the girls, a month before the wedding, she pulled someone out of a bridal party and I remember thinking, oh, that is harsh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's because she wasn't getting involved. And I think, you know, that they, might, they may have slightly fallen out about that. But it's think about that ahead of time um, and I know that sounds bad but just kind of think who, who are you going to get the most out of that, like I said there are loads of people I would have loved to have put in, involved in it but the, I'm sure there's people out there who are thinking about their weddings who'd want to get me involved but because of me and Alex planning our wedding because of me and Alex um, we're, I mean we're, we're very yes people so we've always got bloody plans yeah. um, <laughs> sort of work commitments and stuff personally I'd probably say no to some of them because I know I couldn't give them 100% and it's thinking about that ahead of time and it, and it is thinking about all the options. You never know what, what someone will say. Someone who you might think will do a rubbish job might really pull the finger out and do it, but do you want that stress? That That's my advice is overthink and it yeah. sometimes is, is really worth overthinking. I remember us drawing out like a family tree of people who, who we can get involved and I was there with a pen and I was just like, love no. you, but yeah. I, th I think you've got a really... Obviously... The people you want in your day, there's obviously that emotional connection. You're not going to pick someone you know just because they're a fantastic organiser or they're a great party planner yeah. at the end of the day. But you've kind of also got 
to understand that practical side because I think when you do originally pick your wedding party you don't consider that until you're f a lot further down the wedding planning process and then you're like shit I actually need some extra pairs of hands um, so yeah 100%. Yeah, and I think one thing that um, we've, we've said it in a previous episode is on the day, you need hands on the ground and the amount of times Alex has said to me, you're not doing all this work on the day and I'm like, I know, it's not me, it's the party. You, you need to be able to, when you're planning your day, you know, if you're not using a wedding planner, you know, you, you're going to need to think, who, who on going to do this on the day? And the last thing you want is someone drunk on the dance floor when you've got tables to move. <laughs> they, they, they need to be to be part of it yeah ultimately i think this has been one of the episodes i've been really looking forward to recording because i think it's quite controversial and i think every time you have a conversation around wedding parties and guest lists it's super sanitized and i think it's i would 100 percent say it's the most challenging part of wedding planning um i mean we've not even got round to our seating arrangements yet but i feel like that's Let's gonna be that. yeah i know <laughs> i feel like that is another part of like guest list, like navigating your guest list that is super, super. And we will come up against that in another episode, but I feel like we need to physically do it ourselves yeah, first. Yeah, 100%. Um, but let us know what you think. If you found picking your wedding party a challenge, or whether you loved it and it's been a really smooth sailing experience, or whether you're navigating some guest list drama at the minute, let us know. Reach out to us on Instagram, reach out to us on Twitter, at Where's the Bride Podcast, and at Where's the Bride, uh, and let us know. We'd love to hear what you think. Um, so... In the next couple of weeks, we are going to start speaking to quite a few suppliers, talking about suppliers. How do you pick them? Who are they? Where do you get them from? You know, how do you engage with people? How do you make sure they're appropriate for your wedding, the wedding that you want? If it's a non-traditional wedding, you're a non-heterosexual couple, making sure that you vet your vendors and suppliers in the right way. 100%. And, and one thing that we came across, and we will cover it completely, is... Are they a dodgy Dell boy or not? Because it's something that it, it is scary. You're handing these people money. So we will talk all about that in the next episode. So thank you very much. And it just leaves one final question. What are we having for tea when we get home? I really want a roast, but I don't even know what we've got here. Should we go to Toby Carver? Right? Oh, it's gross. Ooh, yeah, go on, yeah, go on. Ooh. Yeah, right. <laughs> right, we're going to go and have a Carvery. Uh, so thanks, everyone. We'll see you next time. Ciao, bellas.